you're listening to In the Press Box. Now, here are your hosts, Dalton Bishop and Josh Dakin. Welcome to Season 1, Episode number 7 of In the Press Box. He's Josh Dakin. I'm Dalton Bishop, and we're joined today by the voice of the Ball State Cardinals, Mick Tidrow. First off, Mick, thanks for taking time out of your busy day to, to, to join us. And second of all, hope things are going well. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on, guys. It's a pleasure to talk Ball State athletics and football season <laughs> coming up so fast. And everything's going well on this end. We're just slowly building up toward kickoff against Kentucky. How are you guys? Yeah, we're, we're doing great. At least I am. I don't know about Josh over yeah, here. Yeah, I can't complain. <laughs> it's about that time of year where things get busy. You know, as a teacher, we're getting back into the classroom here and things are starting to shape up so it's a it's about to get busy <laughs> that's right of course last season ball state goes five and seven uh overall uh three and five in the mac i think the big storyline i th- headed into this season i think there's really two big storylines uh the first one we want to talk about carson Steele after having a breakout season last year uh, transfers goes to ucla but I, I feel like there was probably a lot of optimi- optimism with Carson uh, probably leaving Ball State. Would that be a fair statement? I mean, you just never know, like, when the transfer portal opens, what's actually going to happen. And everybody's trying to retain their players and make sure that their best stay with them. And when, when Carson announced the transfer, it was one of those things where Ball State said, okay, let's let's go in and do what we can to, to find somebody. And they found Marquez Cooper, who is an all-Mac running back as well from Kent State, and I think that he fits seamlessly into to that system with Coach New and Coach Kevin Lynch on the offensive end. There's a really, really good sense that Marquez Cooper is, is going to be somebody who can elevate this group from the running back standpoint. And, and Carson Steele, of course, is always going to be missed no matter in what capacity or, or anything like that. But I think the Cardinals have a great running back this year with Marquez Cooper that is going to be able to do exactly what they need him to do. Yeah, and we saw that Marquez was one of the five Cardinals named to the preseason All-Americans in the group of five as well. So yes. uh, there's got to be some some hype around him. Absolutely, and I think the reason for it is because of the production at Kent State. It was year in, year out, game in, game out. All State had to face him and try to tackle him and make those moves against him. So when you just sit down and look at the tape for Marquez, I think there are so many positives that stand out. And he can do basically anything out of the backfield. So the, the preseason group of five All-American ranking is well-deserved. And just the the abilities that he brings in the backfield, I think, are, are very complementary to what Ball State tries to do. Yeah, and I don't know if this is a fair assessment, but it sounds like the Ball State coaching staff does a pretty good job of turning mid-major guys into high-level guys, kind of with Carson Still, but also with John Paddock going to Illinois. Can you talk a little bit about what the coaching staff kind of does day in and day out to get these guys from mid-major level to high-major level? Yeah, I think the biggest developmental piece is that the coaches just trust the players and their natural development and what their their progress is going to be, and they tailor the coaching style to help the players grow as best as they can, whether that's on offense, the defense, special teams, just the the day-to-day activities. They they're, they're very caring about what the, the student athletes are trying to do and how they're trying to grow. So from a, from the perspective where we get to sit and see everything, it's, it's hands-on learning. It's experience with the coaches of 
every day getting to work with those coaches and put in that time and effort. So honestly, I, I think it's just really the, the day-to-day activities that they're able to do to, to make the players better. And then the natural progression of a player and the player putting in time after workouts and things like that helps them develop and get to where they want to go. And then there are just some athletic wonders of the world like Carson Steele who um, get to evolve and get to grow throughout college and no matter what he's going to be able to, to springboard himself to, to things that he wants to be able to do like at the UCLA level so kind of a diamond uh, honestly, in the yeah right exactly because Carson got hurt in, in high school and so he was overlooked coming into college and uh, teams moved away from recruiting him after that injury and Ball State said no we still want you come to come play with the Cardinals and that's how everything started for him so I think Ball State is very very good in the recruiting trail to be able to go commit to players like Carson and go find players like Marquez Cooper to replace Carson and then the tight ends that they can bring in like Brady Hunt and Tanner Cozio as well who were freshman All-Americans last year you find players like that you can develop and push and then it's also on the players to be able to elevate their game too. I think it's just the perfect uh, mix between coaches and staff, uh, coaches and players doing the work and moving forward. Absolutely. Who, who fills the shoes of John Paddock at, at this point? Yeah, I think that's still kind of being figured out. Um, Coach New at, at Mac Media Day last week said that you know Lane Hatcher and Kyle Kelly both will see time. So there's there's that competition and there's that. Uh, opportunity for both of them to take over and Lane Hatcher being a graduate transfer having over 10,000 passing yards in his career gives Ball State such an experienced quarterback in that room to be able to grow and he's he's less than 2,000 yards away from passing Peyton Manning in college passing yards like that's a that's a pretty cool mark to be able to pass And for Hatcher to come in and bring that experience to Ball State is fantastic. He's he's bounced around a little bit, gone from Alabama, Arkansas State to Texas State, and out of Ball State. But everywhere he's gone, he's progressed. He's got better. He leads. He shows what he can do. So a lot of experience from Hatcher. And then Kyle Kelly, last season, flashed his athleticism, his dual threat ability, had eight rushes for 83 yards against Miami last in the last week of the season on the road. And he can take over a drive, can take over a game with his athleticism. So I, I think from what Coach New has been able to say and speak about it is there's a competition, yes, but both of them are going to be used and they're both going to be effective. And it's exciting to see where that carries and goes on to because both of those players do bring an excitement level and different um, abilities to Ball State football. I think it's fair to say that there's quite a bit of talent uh, at Ball State with five Ball State Cardinals being named preseason All-Americans in the group of five. Uh, you had mentioned Brady Hunt, uh, Marquez Cooper, Clayton Call, who's a linebacker, and then a couple of tight ends to go with Brady Hunt and Tanner Koziel and Ethan Crow. Yeah, there's a lot of talent within this roster, and there's so much experience coming back, too, because you look at the tight end specifically. I mean, they're, they don't have – ton of experience outside of last year right so they they go into last year nobody really knows about them but then they put on a show and they're both just going to be sophomores this year retro sophomore brady hunt true sophomore tanner Koziel. ethan crow is easily easily one of the best linemen in any group of five team i think ethan crow is one of the best offensive linemen you can put him up against anybody and he'll he'll be able to to do work 
Um, and the rest of the offensive line, too, for Ball State brings so much experience with 66 combined starts in that starting uh, rotation. Wow. Well, I guess I should say 66 combined starts from returning wow. offensive linemen. So you have Ethan Crow, but you also have the rest of this team that has so much experience coming back. Um, and you mentioned Clayton Call. He's he's a mainstay on the defense. He's somebody that is, is a quarterback of the defense. It's it's an overused term, right? But it's so true because he does command everybody defensively. He makes sure they're all set in the right spots. And group of five All-American preseason rankings just go to show that there is a lot of talent at this university this year and within the football program. It's There's a lot of excitement. So with the talent and experience comes kind of the youth. Can you talk a little bit about the freshman class and what they could bring to the table this year for Ball State Athletics on the football field? That's a really good question. And I, I think truly that that is still something that is going to be figured out because of how many underclassmen Ball State had last year. They had 86 underclassmen, which was one of the highest marks last year. So I think with the incoming freshman class, there's still a lot to figure out. I know that's a that's probably not the answer you're looking for, but I think there's just so much to, to try and decide. And with training camp coming and, and all that stuff is going to be that up to this point. So I'm not really sure how to answer that question yet, but mid-season we'll let you know a report card <laughs> yeah absolutely yeah. i mean that's kind of what we were looking for i knew with all the depth that ball state had and all the youth they had i just i i wondered kind of how that freshman class was going to play in and it sounds like they might have to wait for their time maybe if that's a year or five games uh that's to be that's to still be known so um, let's go ahead and talk about the schedule a little bit. So this is where it gets kind of interesting because usually when you look at a mid-major school, you're going and playing all these big-time schools. But I think it's got to be kind of cool for the kids to go to Kentucky and go to Georgia. Can you kind of speak about what the vibe is around the program is you're going to go play a couple juggernauts there in the Power Fives? Absolutely. That's a great question. And the the attitude is, let's go in week one and beat Kentucky. And everybody's excited to go down there because a lot of the players had experience from last year at Tennessee, many returning players from, from that squad that saw time in that game. So Kentucky week one, I mean, that's everybody's going in with that mindset of let's go take this game and um, kind of liken it to, to anybody who has, has competed. You want to be able to play the best teams and, and perform at the best level. And to do that, you have to have that mindset that we're the better team. And Ball State's really working toward that to say, hey, we're, we're going we're gonna to go in and surprise some people. Week one, week two, do, do what we can to, to win those games. It's also just the experience and the, uh, the opportunity as a mid-major team to go play back-to-back weeks in the SEC. Like, that's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> that used to never be the case. So with it now being so normalized, Kent State kind of set that standard, right? They sometimes played three power five schools Correct. in one year, but now Ball State doing that back-to-back weeks, I think goes to show that Ball State's not afraid of any competition. They want their players to go play against the best because that also helps prepare them for the back season and to be able to use that experience throughout the season. So those first two weeks, awesome opportunities to go out and compete and then widen that skill set um, for each one of those players. And then the rest of the schedule, guys, I think that it's it's a great setup because you yes. go two road, two home, two road, two home the whole year. You're going twos and twos the entire season, and there's only two midweek action games, and both of those are on the road. So 
that's a huge component. And one of my favorite stats and pieces of information at this point is this is the first time Ball State football has played six Saturday home games since 2002. Wow. Yeah, that's imp- I'm a fan of that. That's impressive. <laughs> I mean, that's going to give the kids some prime time, hopefully some prime time showing on television. And I think another reason a lot of these mid-major schools kind of like to play these bigger schools is because you're getting national attention now. These kids are playing at the highest level on the main stage. I mean, you know that Georgia-Kentucky game, they're going to be aired on the waves of probably ESPN or what have you. So it's great for the kids to get that exposure that really they do deserve. Right. I completely agree. It's, it's well-deserved for these players and the opportunity to, to play on you know the, the platforms that at the very bare minimum is the SEC network, but can be elevated to ESPN at any point. Like that's, it's a great, great thing for the players. And again, just the experience of, of being able to, to play on those stages. You, you, last year, uh, being my first year in this role, just walked on the field at Tennessee the day before the game. And it, it's, it's one of those things where it, you can feel the enormity of what this stadium means. Yeah. And the players are able to break it down and feel it and go through their routines to make sure that they're ready to go in that environment. And it's just, it's so much fun to watch the players get excited about it, but then also two seconds later, flip the switch and say, all right, it's business now. So it's a, it's a great experience to watch. Yeah. And that's awesome. And I like how you also mentioned the consistency of the schedule two home, two road, two home, two road, et cetera. You know, as me being a basketball coach, the idea of consistency is huge from a coaching perspective because then you can get in a normalized routine throughout the year. So I think that's actually a pro for Ball State going into this season as well. Absolutely, because last year's schedule was kind of all over the map. A lot of midweek action games, and three of those out of the last four games of the season were on the road. So it was a tough way to end the season last year from a schedule perspective um, and the three straight losses, of course. But just the, the scheduling perspective this year, just feels so much cleaner for Ball State, and that allows that routine. And the two midweek action games are back-to-back weeks on the road, so you can get those out of the way, and then you're back to that Saturday um, rest of the season. So I think there's there's a lot of, from where I sit, I think it's a great schedule. <laughs> I, think yeah. Yeah. I think it's very favorable, and I, I love that you can establish that routine by, okay, we know we're going on the road for two weeks, and then we're coming home for two weeks. Yeah, and I've never been a fan of like the Wednesday, Thursday, Friday college <laughs> football games myself. I'm upset that IU has to play a Friday game this year. So I've oh, never, yeah, that's right, they do. I've never been a huge fan of the weeknight games. I think it takes away from the high school athletes. That's a whole other topic, of course. I believe that <laughs> these college athletes should be able to shine on Saturday where they should be shining so i think that's great for ball state to get them some national attention yeah those six saturday home games i'm i'm pumped to be able to to spend a lot of saturdays at schumann stadium this year and get to see where this team goes you you had alluded to uh being able to step on the field last year at, at tennessee and really kind of soak it in for a moment with with you guys getting to play uh at Georgia week two those I mean obviously everyone knows Georgia just come off of a national championship so when you when you're able to walk onto that field and just kind of soak in that moment what would you think would be the initial reaction to a a team like Ball State being able to be in that moment 
Yeah, I think most of it is is the initial excitement of we get to play on this field, and then it goes into okay, we need to win a game on this field. Let's yes. let's let's get after it because that's what the business at hand is. Yes, it's a cool environment, but a lot of the players don't let the environment impact them mentally. It's okay. We're, there's going to be a hundred thousand fans here. It's football country. Like this is what we're going up against. Um, we know that we're preparing for it. And there is that excitement, but a lot of the players will have their headphones on. They'll just kind of, you know, walk up and down the sidelines and just look at the stadium, get the specs. But they're still in that that business mindset of, okay, this is where I'm at the I'm at the ten yard line. This is how I can make a toe tapping catch for a touchdown. This is the spec of the field. Okay, it's not as deep on the left side of the end zone. I'm like just walking around and making sure that they know the lay of the field first and foremost, and that is that's super important. Yeah, and I'd like to kind of change the subject here a little bit and talk a little bit about Coach New. Um, this year, he's starting his eighth season at Ball State. He kind of got off to a rocky start there the first couple of years, you know, trying to transition and turn the program around, if you will. But here recently, he's been kind of on an upward trend. COVID year seven and one, last year five and seven. So he's consistently starting to build a program. Do you kind of feel that the culture's changing at Ball State in a positive direction? And if so, do you think that these next couple of years could get them to a consistent bowl-type team? Yeah, I think the culture at Ball State football is a super positive one. And Coach New is, since he was a former player, he understands like what Ball State means to people and what it means to him. And he wants that culture to always be established in the highest regard. So I think the culture from his first days established now it's just been building up to what he wants to do and that's that's go to bowl game that's win the conference championship on a yearly basis and, and make sure that they're the best team in the MAC. so I think this team I mean they were right there last year they had you know those three straight losses then the season were really tough but they were right there one went away from getting back to a bowl game yep. it would have been three straight years making a bowl game for the first time in program history so okay. when you start thinking about some of that history he was knocking on the doorstep of being that first coach to be able to accomplish it and just one went away from doing that. So the culture's there. The ability to, to be in games and be right there is there. And they played in seven one-score games last year. Wow. So <laughs> that just speaks to how close these games can be in the conference and how much parity there is in the conference. And just one interception or one missed tackle just changes the complexion of the game. So it's, it's right there. And everything that they want to accomplish is right there. And, it, and I think that that's going to be something that can help them move forward to them. Like from a fan standpoint, there may be some of that negativity floating around because there were they were five and seven. But when you look at the statistics of it and the analytics and say, hey, we were, there were seven games that we were within one score, I think that really right. opens up the eyes for a lot of people. I guess what's the expectation uh, for Ball State going into this season, you know, what what are people, what's the vibe around the campus like right now? The vibe around the campus is really good. I think everybody's excited. This is this is one of those years where it feels like everybody's, the pieces are in place. And I know, I know Ball State was picked fifth in the West in the preseason pool this year, but a lot of that takes into account of, oh, returning players for other teams, who guys are quarterback back, and Toledo and Ohio both have their star quarterbacks coming back this year. And those are the top two favorites. So you have those those preseason polls are just so you never know. Um, but the vibe around here and the vibe around the program, everybody's excited. I think everybody's ready to see 
what the, the mix of returning players and new players brings and that's all it's all positive on this end and there's so much to look forward to well and i could also attest to that saying that the vibe is starting to change because even up in our area you're starting to hear some more chirp about the cardinals in a good way meaning that they're starting to build something that's kind of why i was asking and we've been asking kind of what the vibe's like because i do feel as though this ship is turning in an upward and trending in an upward direction so with that i mean where does ball state stand in the, the in the mac conference right now i know preseason you were projected fifth in the west but where does ball state stack up against some of these teams like toledo and ohio that had great seasons last year yeah, it's a great question, and I think that I think they stack up against anybody in the conference just because of who they brought back, who they brought in from transfer portal, and then how close Ball State was with all the teams in the games last year. Just the, the ability to, to play drive for drive with Toledo and, and almost win that game. Uh, the Ohio game wasn't as, as close, but that was really the one game where it wasn't as the one-score game. Um, but they, they played with everybody in the conference last year, and I think that that is another another reason why there is so much optimism is they, with all those one-score games, is they're right there. They're on the level of every other team at the top of the conference. Um, I think now it's just about, you know, close out those last drives, and Coach New was the first one to tell people that, hey, last year we didn't, we didn't close out some drives with touchdowns. We tried too many field goals. We just got to finish drives with touchdowns, and I think that's one thing that they can – I can lean on with an experienced uh, team coming back. I'm honestly making this relation here that it makes me feel a lot like IU football. You know, I'm going to be honest, I'm a big IU guy, and it makes me feel kind of like the football program there. You know, super close to breaking through. You just need one or two plays to go your way to make it happen. They finally broke through in 2019 and just could not keep it going. It sounds like Ball State is steadily keeping it going, though, so that's really good to see. And Coach New kind of reminds me of Tom Allen in a way. Really good guy, family man first, you know. So it's nice to see that Ball State is can you know competing as one of the best teams in the state i mean by no means is iu the best football team in the state that's not what i'm saying but ball state is steadily <laughs> putting out a good brand that can compete with purdue and notre dame and stuff like that and it's good for the state you know all of all of these teams you're all rooting for each other i would hope just because it makes our state look really good Right, I completely agree that the the state has an upward trend in, in football programs, and it's exciting because this year is, I feel like, a really good year to set the stage and have success across the board with Indiana football schools. Again, you're listening to season one, episode number seven of In the Press Box. He's Josh Dakin. We're joined by the voice of the Ball State Cardinals, Mick Tidrow. Uh, this kind of take us back to your, your time maybe as a student at Ball State and, and now moving into the role of the, the play-by-play voice of the Cardinals and some of your most memorable moments being uh, behind the microphone at Ball State. Oh, that's a really good question. Um, <laughs> the really tough one because it's been six years at Ball State as a student, four as an undergraduate student, two going after my master's degree and there were so many good memories and moments the one that always sticks out to me was the taylor persons men's basketball buzzer beater at top 10 notre dame that (laughs) will we love always stick out (laughs) actually i actually watched him play last night (laughs) isn't he doing a fantastic job he's doing a fantastic Um, job 
that was my senior year of college and I was calling that game on student radio and mm. the moment happened and I was just oh my this is not real and <laughs> shot goes in and I, I kind of I don't remember everything but I remember pits and pieces just because I was so in the moment like it's it's one of those things where you just kind of have to step back and think for a minute but that that always sticks out as one of the the top moments um my first ever TV game as a sophomore in college, that'll stick out because it was so bad that I can't believe it let me back on the air. <laughs> <laughs> um, that'll always stick out for reasons I don't want to remember. Um, but yeah, those are, those are two two big memories. And then, honestly, guys, last year, in my first year in the professional role here, every every game has just been a memorable moment just because it's it's full circle it's been fantastic to, to sit in the chair that I had looked up to for, for six years. And um, to be here, it's just, I'm just grateful, thankful that it's worked out this way. And just try to, before every game, radio, TV, whatever it might be, just take a deep breath and, and look around and just enjoy where I'm at because I know it goes by fast and you never you never have enough of these moments. So I'm just super, super grateful. Yep. What would be the the w- words of wisdom from Mick Tidro about a newcomer showing up to Schumann Stadium for the first time? Because a lot of people don't, I don't think a lot of people realize how rowdy Schumann Stadium can get. Ooh, um, it's your first time. Rally people from the tailgates and get them in the stadium. Just everybody enjoy the game together once it starts. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a great environment. It is, um, it is. The fun aspect of, of the pregame festivities, everybody's always excited. So just, just bring friends, get in the stadium, enjoy it. Because Schumann Stadium is a, is a beautiful, beautiful backdrop. Yes, for football. it is. And you can sit on the hill in the grass. You can sit in the stands with the students. You've got options. So I think, honestly, just walk the concourse. Find a spot that you like and, and bring as many people as you can. Come enjoy some Cardinals football this fall. Yeah, Ball State is uh... – has always kind of been a, a special place to show up and watch a football game. I know that the the few times that we've been, we've really, really enjoyed watching uh, Ball State. And, and just like you said, the environment around the campus before the game is outstanding. But once the game starts and, and the, that one big play and, and the place just goes wild, I mean, it's it's unlike any other place. Yeah. It is. It's a great environment, so make sure you tell everybody about it. <laughs> yes, oh, yes, absolutely. The plan. I I would also like <laughs> to make a bold prediction too. You know, kind of with the way everything's going, and kind of you've kind of made me feel really confident here. I'm going to make a bold prediction that says Ball State makes a bowl this year, and Ball State wins a bowl game this year. I think that that's a valid, and I think that's a. I would be betting on that in Vegas that they go to a yeah. bowl and could win a game this year. I like the sound of that. I like the sound of, of winning a bowl game, getting there, and then getting getting that done. Do yeah. we have any, like, Pete Rose-type roles for, like, the announcers? Are the announcers allowed to bet on the teams? <laughs> <laughs> no. <absolutely laughs> I, did, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't figure that they would. Uh, I, I just, uh, no, that, that, that's – I just have to throw that out there, being a Reds fan, because they, they robbed Pete Rose of a Hall of Fame because of it, in my opinion, but – no, I, I I just had to bring that up. I always ask every announcer that we talk to, 
<laughs> that, that same question. I always get the same response. Absolutely not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, but no, um, we we appreciate you taking time out of your busy day to, to to join us as always, and we're looking forward to following along with the Ball State Cardinals this year. Looking forward to making some games out of Schumann Stadium, and uh, would love to have you back on uh, maybe mid season to to talk about the cards as well. Absolutely. Would love to hop on with you guys anytime you want. Appreciate you fellows for putting me on and go cards, chirp, chirp. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I'd like to also say congratulations for your new role here and congratulations with your graduation and everything and getting your master's. That's awesome. I appreciate that, guys. It it means a lot to, to be able to come back here and for the support from you guys. Thank you. Absolutely. Again, Mick Tidrow, the voice of the Ball State Cardinals, joins us here. Season one, episode number seven of In the Press Box. Again, as you heard him say, chirp, chirp, go cards.